Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for July 14th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. We have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. Nick, better known on Twitter, at NAA Fantasy, he is going to come on. Him and I are going to tell you what players you should target in your fantasy football drafts from the New England Patriots and the Washington Commanders. Following that, Jim's going to come on. Jim is going to talk about the CFL. Him and I are going to share our bets for week six of the CFL. And lastly, Brandon, Boston Boy 83, he's going to come on and we are going to talk some NASCAR at New Hampshire, tell you what bets we are locking in for this week's race. Before we jump into all that, I just need to talk. Like, I find it so motherfucking funny NBA fans. I love the NBA. I love basketball. I grew up playing basketball. I could watch any any anybody play basketball. I'm just a huge hoop head. And these NBA fans, A, they take it so personally with these trades if a team refuses to do a trade. B, they think these they always make the trades so fucking lopsided when it comes back. That like what like, oh wow, here, here's two pieces of paper and I'll give me Damian Lillard. Miami Heat fans, I mean, it is fucking hilarious to me, the trades you think the Blazers should make. And something that people forget about this whole thing with um, uh, Damian Lillard is this guy, Corin. This is his trade. He needs to make sure he fucking nails this trade because he's going to be tied to this trade for the rest of his career. And he can't do something stupid and have it be a bad trade. And then he's just going to be looked upon as an idiot and he'll probably will never get a job again. So I can't blame him for not rushing into this trade and making sure he dots all his T's and crosses his I's. I will say this. If they don't trade him, I think it's a mistake. I think you need to get him out of the room. I think you need to give the, the keys to the castle to Scoot and let Scoot do his thing. That is my thoughts on the NBA. Like I said, we have a great show. So let's welcome Nick to the show and let's talk some fantasy football. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking fantasy football and who better can come on than Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick, how you doing today, my man? Great, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I got no complaints. We're going to be continuing our coverage, if you will, of going team by team, previewing each team in terms of a fantasy football perspective. We are going to be focusing on the Patriots and the Washington Commanders today. Let's start with the Patriots. Patriots, Mac Jones was a dumpster fire last year, but they have Bill O'Brien coming in, and he will be the new OC, which is a huge upgrade in coaching. Jones finished as QB 23 last season, and right now his ADP is QB 27. Are we taking a punt on him in best ball? Is he worth a flyer on him in two, two quarterback leagues? What are we doing with Mac Jones? Yeah, I mean, he was really bad last year. I mean, I don't have much faith in Mac Jones right now, even with Bill O'Brien coming in. Um, you know, Jones threw for only – he threw for under – just under 3,000 yards last year and only had 14 passing touchdowns and 11 interceptions. You know, he ended with a whopping 36.1 QBR. So, you know, that was 28th in the league. Pretty dismal. Um, so the Patriots, you know – 
in the draft, they actually invested in their special teams in the draft this year, drafting a punter and a kicker, which is very rare. Uh, so it looks like they're expecting to be playing a little field position battle and uh, coming up with three points a lot next year. So I'm I'm out on Mac Jones. I am too. I always feel that the quarterback needs to take that big step between years one and years two. We actually saw him degress. I really don't think it's any of his fault. I think it's because of the situation that the Patriots put him in with the lack of coaching. Yeah. Now with the running back, we got Mr. Stevenson. He finished his running back seven last year. Right now he's RB 10, ADP at 25. Personally, I'm torn on what to do here. Looking at the depth chart, there's literally no one behind him, and it's looking like he'll be the pass-catching back as well. Plus, he finished as RB7 when sharing time with Damian Harris last year. So if he gets more work, he should take off and finish higher than that. But on the flip side, he's coming off touching the ball 279 times last season, which I know is under that 300 benchmark we talk about a lot, but that's still double what he had his rookie year. Is he going to be tired? Is his body going to beat up? I don't know. With all that being said, what are we doing with Stevenson this year? You know, I still like Ramondre. Um, you know, I'm going to target him if a few others around his ADP go go before him. Um, you know, I still like Kenneth Walker and like Brees Hall a little bit better. Um, you know, I have him around RB12 on my list this year. Uh, you know, it was amazing for him last year to finish his RB7. Uh, in the past, I couldn't trust a Patriots running back from week to week over the over the next because Belichick would just use a different guy every week, and you never knew who was going to be that guy. Um, but I still like Stevenson this year, um, you know, to target in in a situation in certain situations. Now, in the wide receiver room, we have Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith Schuster, and Taquan Thornton. What's your thought process with these guys? Yeah, I mean, Parker, he, he hasn't been that guy since, uh, you know, he came back after, what do you have, that injury. He had like 1,202 yards with Miami that one year, uh, but we haven't really seen that same production since. I'm out on Parker. I'm out on Bourne. Um, I do like Thornton. Thornton. Um, he reminds me of Will Fuller, and he could be what Will Fuller was in Houston when Bill O'Brien was a play caller. He's a field stretcher, home run hitter, you know, in, in best ball, I think he's a good draft pick. He's a, he's a must draft. Um, but in season long, I really don't see being able to draft him because his floor is too low. Uh, Juju, you know, if he plays the slot, which I don't know if he will this year, I would be interested in him because of the last couple of seasons he's played the outside, which, you know, he's has not been good at doing. Yeah. He's more of a slot wide receiver. And a lot of people, we need to understand that you got to put these wide receivers in a position to be successful. He's just physically struggles outside against better DBs playing the inside against weaker coverage guys. He's able to eat a little bit more. The tight end position is interesting. We have Hunter Henry, my boy, Mike Gusecki. We saw Henry and Jones start to develop a little connection toward the end of the season. Will that carry over? Or do you think we're going to see Gusecki cut, cut into some of that stuff? Gusecki is one of the more athletic tight ends in the league. He'll get more opportunities in New England because of that. Um, you know, one thing to note is Gusecki is actually also reuniting with his old Penn State coach, Bill O'Brien, which is a good sign for him. I mean, is... Is Gasecki and Henry Hernandez and Gronkowski 
I don't think so, <laughs> but but uh, I, I still like Gasecki here because he's a more athletic tight end. Now I'm sure you made a great point with uh, Hunter Henry, but you you froze a little bit. Could you repeat your Hunter Hunter Henry point, please? Oh, I was just saying that Gasecki is um, the more athletic tight end, and he's going to get more opportunities than Hunter Henry is. So Henry and Gasecki have been working two tight end sets and OTAs currently, but I still think Gasecki has more upside. Now, when we look at this team here, who are you going to be targeting? Because I have two guys I'm going to be targeting. Yeah, for me, I'm really only targeting Ramondre Stevenson in the in the right situation. You know, if if Hall and Walker go ahead of him, like I said, I've got him as RB12. I'll still I'll I'll take a shot at him, you know, in that right situation, but I'm really not targeting anybody else on this team currently. See, I'm targeting Gasecki. I think he's going to be in line for a huge season. Um, I think they're going to actually play him in the slot just because of how goddamn small he is. And he really can't physically go on the outside. And he sucks at blocking. I really think that's what they're going to do. You made a great point about him being reunited with Bill O'Brien. So I'm a little bit higher on you than Gasecki. Obviously, I'm going to, like you, I'm going to target Stevenson just because I think the touches are going to be there. Now let's shift our attention over to the Washington Commanders. They made big news hiring Eric Bieniemy as the OC. Bieniemy is getting away from Mahomes and Reed. What do you think of Bieniemy as the coach, as the offensive coordinator? Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, the question truly is, who was really coordinating that offense in Kansas City? Um, and I guess we'll really find out how good the enemy truly is uh, this year at the Commanders. So, I I can't really I can't really say one way or the other. I gotta I gotta see what he does there. Now, in terms of Sam Howell, he's going to be the quarterback. He played one game last season. Look okay. To le- look okay. Look okay. He looked okay. Excuse me. He was eleven of nineteen, a buck sixty nine, thirty five yards rushing with two tutties. Looking at his college stats, he likes to run at 828 yards rushing his final year at North Carolina. I think he'll be able to run. His rushing total, I feel, is a good bet as soon as a number is posted. But we are talking fantasy here, not betting. Howell's ADP is 27. I think he's a punt in best ball, a good pickup in two leagues, two quarterback leagues. What are your thoughts on Howell? Yeah, I'd take a flyer on him in, in two QB leagues because of his ability with his legs. I mean, he did look decent, you know, in his one start last year. Oh, I, I'd take a flyer on him as a, as a low-end QB, too. Now, we're to the backfield, which, again, another position I find interesting. We have Sam Howell that has showed at UNC, likes to check the ball down to running backs. Last year, the Commanders had 121 targets to the running back position with Antonio Gibson leading them with 58. This season, J.D. McKessa and his 40 targets are gone. So basically, 40 targets are open to running backs. You have Brian Robinson. You have Antonio Gibson. Both are de- both are good pass-catching running backs. Which running back is going to get those targets? And which running back should we be targeting? Also, is this a running back group, like we talked about with the Packers last week, where we want to be targeting both running backs? Like, is this running back group a poor man's AJ Dillon and um, well, I'm spacing on the other guy, Aaron, Aaron Jones. Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. 
yeah this is this is interesting i i find it a little bit of a gamble but i find it enticing um i like this duo if the offense can get going under b enemy um gibson will command most of the passing opportunities out of the backfield that's obvious he did he did last year with mckissick mckissick gone he's going to eat even more out of the backfield um, passing attempts um i see brian robinson having some touchdown regression this season after having 14 carries within the t- uh, um so can you repeat what you just said you said you see brian robinson had some touchdown regression because he had 14 carries and then you froze yeah uh brian robinson i i see him having some touchdown regression this season because last year he had 14 carries inside the 10 and only scored two touchdowns i like him to bump up that touchdown count this year um and i like grabbing these two guys possibly as a low end rb2 three combo uh rb ranks currently b rob is 33 gibson's 36 and they're sitting at that sneaky range where you know you could get them as low end rb2 high end rb3s i see some value there if you can get them both yeah, I agree with you. I think you can probably get them both. Um, I like Jones. I think in PPR, not excuse me, Gibson in PPR, I think he's going to be a gold mine. Robinson, you're right. That is a little worry about due for a little touchdown regression because of the stat that you mentioned. Now, in the wide receiver room, we got Scary Carry, ADP 49. Dotson, ADP 94. Uh, Brown, ADP 295. Are we looking to target any of these, any of these wide receivers? Um, are we kind of staying away? Because Scary Terry to me is that one guy, He, you kind of look at the end of the year, you're like, oh, we finished in the top 25. I really had no idea. So he's just really consistent. Are we going to look to target any of these commanders, guys, or are we going to kind of steer clear of them? Yeah, I'm not targeting Scary Terry this year due to Sam Howell being the potential starter. I mean, his arm strength worries me. And, you know, that kind of takes away from McLaurin's downfield threat. Um, I do have a little interest in Dotson. Uh, he, you know, he had 35 receptions and seven touchdowns in limited games last year. But we will see in training camp preseason who Howell has good uh, chemistry with. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think we're going to have to kind of see, like, what the beat reporters are talking about in terms of, like, OTAs and, like, the preseason work, who is he targeting? And obviously look in the preseason game, but I agree with you. Uh, Dobson to have seven TDs and only 35 receptions is pretty enticing to me. And I will give him credit. He's a lot better than I thought. I didn't hate, I didn't think he could high point a ball and have the ball skills that uh, he has displayed so far in the, uh, in the NFL. And then also Curtis Samuel is just kind of lingering here too. He's kind of like a poor man. It's Debo Samuel. What do you have any, like, what do you think of Curtis Samuel? Yeah, he's kind of a little bit, I guess, a little bit forgotten. Um, you know, I guess in a, in a situation, situational draft, you could, you could pick him up because he is, he does have that backfield threat. I just don't know how much they're going to use him this year. If Howell is the starter with his potential running with his legs and, um, you know, you've got B. Rob and Gibson back there. I don't know. I I I see yeah, his really potential kind of going down a little bit. So, 
I'm not really high on him. I don't really know what to do with him at this point. I could definitely see him taking a little bit of a step backwards, and I'm a little bit going to be out of him. We have Logan Thompson here. He's ADP is 236. Um, is he a fill-in on, on, on those bye weeks that are going to be coming, or is, are we just going to kind of be like staying away, just like whatever with him and just kind of target him in some DFS matchups week to week? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be week to week. If you're if you're desperate on a bye week and the matchup is good, I say, you know, you can go after Logan Thomas. But, you know, with the depth at, at tight end being very bad, I, I guess in desperation, you could pick him up in a in a bye week. Uh, DFS, yeah, situational play, you know, week to week. Now, in terms of targets, who are you looking to target here? So again, you know, I like the Gibson Robinson combo as potential value there, you know, where their ADP is at currently running back rank. I think that their, um, you know, possible under the radar combo, especially if you have picks in, in rounds where they're close together, you can come back around and pick up, like you can pick up B Rob and then come back around early in the next round and pick up Antonio Gibson. I think that that's, um, there may be some value there. And then obviously, like I said, Dotson, I like his limited um, production that he had last year. I think there's potential there as well, but we have to see what Howell likes in training camp. I like Gibson a lot. Robinson, I'm just, I don't know. There's just, I'm just a little leery on him just because of the touchdown stat you mentioned. I like Gibson a lot, but you're right. I probably will end up drafting them both, and I like Dotson too, so I'm totally in agreement with you on both of those. Nick, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to come on and talk some fantasy football. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? You can find me at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Make sure to give my boy Nick a follow, and uh, he's going to be on the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show this Tuesday coming up. He's going to be telling you a player to either target or fade from the NFC North, so make sure to check that out. We'll talk soon, my friend. Sounds good. Please give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Now let's shift our attention over to some CFL. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some CFL and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL Jim. Jim, how you doing today, my man? Eric, in, we're in season. Please call me CFL Jim. Sorry, CFL Jim. I am sorry, my friend. I am sorry for that. Um, before we jump into the picks, interesting week last week. Uh, my three questions looking back at last week for you. Uh, number one, did the Elks ruin their best shot at winning a game this year? Um, honestly, probably, probably this team is awful. There's a shot that the Elks might improve, uh, later on in the year. And obviously like they're going to play every team plays each other so much. Maybe they can have another shot at Ottawa. Now that we don't know the whole situation with Ottawa, I believe they also play Saskatchewan again. Um, so there's a shot there, but I don't see it. So the next time they would have a shot, I'm going to say week 15, potentially. I mean, that was brutal how they lost that game. Um, for those who don't know, there is a rule in the CFL called the what, Jim? 
the rouge. That is, you can't basically touch back a punt, and that's what happened. Uh, Edmonton kicker went to do a touchback on a punt, and that was the one point that gave Saskatchewan the victory. Basically, no situational awareness. Uh, question number two. Just before you do, uh, I will fully explain the Rouge. So in the Rouge is the kicking team is awarded if a team either misses a field goal or punts the football and the receiving team does not get the ball out of their end zone. You did a much better job explaining that than I did, dude. Or the ball, or if the ball goes through uh, the end zone and out of bounds without being touched on a missed field goal you, or a punt. You did a way better job explaining that than I do. That yeah. I did, excuse me. Uh, question two. Did we see the last of my boy in the CFL after suffering that Achilles injury? The last of Jeremiah Masoli? I He's probably done. He's probably done. I mean – a lot of people are saying he should have retired after what happened last year versus Saskatchewan where he got murdered on the field. Yeah. And he probably should have. He tried to come back, immediately gets hurt. He's probably done forever. It sucks because he's good. I like Jeremiah Masoli a lot. He's a really easy guy to root for. Last question. Is this BC team better than last year's BC no. team? Pretty definitive no. with that, dude. Pretty definitive. No, dude. I mean, the things that Nathan Rourke did last year were magical. And you also – you still downgraded at running back. Yeah, that's true. Like, Vernon Adams is good, don't get me wrong, and this team is good, but they are not last year's BC. If Nathan Rourke doesn't get hurt last year, I bet they win the Grey Cup. Right out there. Um – now, we're not going to touch the Thursday night game because this is going to be coming out Friday morning. So we are going to touch the Friday night game between the Toronto Argonauts and Montreal. Let, I'm me, looking uh, at- let me call my shot real quick. Congratulations to the Edmonton Elks for getting their first home win in like three years. Come on, Elks. I'm trying. I'm trying to will it. I'm trying to will it. Let's see. Um, We got Montreal getting five and a half. Money line plus 195 over under 48. I'm calling the upset, dude. I'm I'm taking Montreal plus the five and a half. And you know what? I'm also taking Montreal plus the 195. What say you, my friend? I'm taking the under 48 in this game. Uh, this is actually a new one for me, a game that I'm staying away from the spread and money line, and Uncle Rico is taking it. I am only taking the under in this game. Um I will also probably dabble on uh, Montreal's team total under 21 and a half. Ooh, ooh, look at you. Look at you. Um, Next game, Saturday afternoon. We are going to Ottawa. They are hosting Winnipeg. Winnipeg laying nine and a half. Ottawa is plus 330 on the money line. Over under 44 and a half. Oh my God. It's a lot of points. Oh my God. Nine and a half is a lot of points, but also I think Winnipeg could very much cover this. I think Ottawa without Masoli is like one of the bottom two teams. They are that bad. So here's my thing. A couple ways of thinking of it. Does Ottawa rally because of the first game with a new quarterback quarterback out for the year? Does Ottawa's defense, us using the offense really struggle and they struggle to score the ball. Yeah. I could see that happening. 
honestly, if I were to bet something, I'd find the Ottawa under team total and I play I'd pay that. I see 16 and a half. I'd bet that under. I'm gonna bet that under. I'm probably gonna take Winnipeg minus the nine and a half, and I'm gonna take the under 44 and a half. Um, it's probably gonna be crumb this week. With how he looked against yeah. Hamilton, maybe maybe that's like a fact that he had to get put in and he wasn't the starter. Maybe he looked better as a starter. Dude, there's one play he just it, lost the ball. It, I, I, I was going to say, I doubt it. If the, he looked he that was, way against Hamilton, against the Bombers defense, he's going to look like he's going to get exposed hard. He is bad, dude. In my, in my, he is bad. He's not in, in my eyes. They yeah. need to, they uh, I'm going to take Winnipeg minus nine and a half. I'm going to take the team total under for Ottawa, and I'm going to take the under 44 and a half for the full game. They need to make a call to a certain quarterback. If he's not retired, he might just be retired. Uh, last game of the year, of the gear, of the of the week. You got Calgary going to Saskatchewan. Basically a pick them over under 44 and a half. What say you, man? Yeah, these teams are like right next to each other, man. They're like right. Da, 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 da. Give me the Rough Riders at home. Don't love it. I don't love either of these teams. Um, yeah, just give me the Rough Riders at home. You're gonna take the Rough Riders at home. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'll take Saskatchewan too. But isn't the line a little fishy? I mean, both these teams looked pretty bad last week. Like Saskatchewan did win, but they very much were in a position to lose that game to Edmonton. So mm-hmm. both these teams are garbage. Um, Give me Saskatchewan at home. I don't like either of these teams right now. I think Calgary's better. Yeah. I think Calgary's better. Like I don't have a strong play in this one. I take I I would take Saskatchewan at home, but I could I couldn't fault you if you wanted if you thought Calgary was better. No, if you look that bad against the Elks, like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just to confirm, I have Montreal plus five and a half. Montreal. Plus one ninety five and Saskatchewan as a pick'em. Jim, what do you have this week? I have the under forty eight in the Montreal Alouettes Toronto Argonauts game. The Montreal also under um, for that one. I'm taking the Winnipeg Bombers minus nine and a half. Ottawa Redblacks under sixteen and a half team total and the under 44 and a half in that game. And I'm taking the Rough Riders as a pick them at home. Those are my plays. I like it. I like it. Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? You can find me everywhere at XFL. Jim, I got some live streams coming up for the Indoor Football League this weekend. Last week of the ILF. Last week, I might do a little CFL watch-along one of these nights, too. It'll be a fun time. It's it's gonna It's going to be a fun season. We're kind of rolling into my offseason a little bit. Jim, you are one of the hardest working people I know. I'd like to thank you for coming on, taking time out of your schedule to talk some CFL. Make sure you give my boy Jim a follow. I will do my best again on the live streams this weekend, my friend. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. We'll talk next week, my friend. Let's do it.
Guys, please give Jim a follow. He's probably the most creative person I know on social media. He's going to be live streaming every single CFL game, I believe, this weekend. So make sure to check that out. I'll make a cameo. But please give him a follow at XFL Jim. Now let's shift our attention over to some NASCAR. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking NASCAR and who better to come on then. Brandon, a.k.a. at BostonBoy83. Brandon, how you doing today, my man? Doing good, man. Doing real good. Happy Friday right around the corner. Ready for uh, some New Hampshire. Now... You started a new adventure on Wednesday night. You ran really well. You were back uh, racing some iRacing trucks. Why don't you tell everyone how that went? Yeah, it went well um, with a new team called uh, Nerditude Motorsports. I uh, got some great sponsors on board like yourself, Studio Displays, Martin Sports Apparel, Roasted Gem Coffee. Um, it's it, it's mind-boggling uh, taking how much you can take that time off and jump back in and feel comfortable Got the pole last night, led 85 laps out of 150, ended up second. We'll be off next week because of uh, being in San Diego, but a lot of good group of people, and this could uh, turn into something. So it felt good to be back last night for sure. I hopped on for a little bit. You look good to me, man. I thought uh, you ran great, dude. You know, yeah. so hopefully uh, we can get it where uh, a couple of weeks we can get you in the winner's circle, my man. Yeah, hopefully you have some T-shirts made and see if we can uh, get some out to everybody. Nice, nice, nice. Now, we shift over to New Hampshire. What can you tell us about the New Hampshire track for this weekend? It's flat. And as anybody that tuned into the race I did last night, there's multiple grooves. Um, You can dime in the corner. You can run the low line. You can even put the tires on the apron where people are finding grip. So it's going to be interesting, especially if they get rain the night before and there's no grip on the track. But uh, you're going to see multiple lines. And it's a flat track, which can become very boring. I hate to say that as a as a NASCAR fan in general, but these can become boring. Uh, your short track races are the guys that you lean on when it comes to uh, New Hampshire, because even though it's not that small, it races like a short track. Okay. Right. Now, I have four bets. You have three, I believe, correct? Yep. Yeah, three. So, so since I have actually this week, since I actually have more than you, I will lead us off. My first bet, I am going to Brad Kozlowski, 20 to 1. Last four races here, 7, 3rd, 10th. Then he finished 32, 4 back. Take that one out before that, 4th, ninth, and 4th. This is one of his better tracks, one of the most consistent riders here. Uh, last three races, he has the best average finish at the track. You know, I looked how he did at Phoenix, did pretty good. Look at the, how they did on the intermediate tracks this season, pretty good. Needs to win to get in. I'm seeing 20 to 1 on Brad. I'm going to take a shot here. I like it. Um, I'm going to go over, and Brad is historically good at this track. Um, I'm going to slide over. I see him at 10 to 1 right now. Uh, Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush has always been good at New Hampshire. He's taken over the Tyler Reddick car that finished 10th, 13th, and 21st in three cup starts at London. And Bush also dominated at Gateway last month, which is also a flat-cornered track. So seeing him at 10-1, to 1, absolutely grabbed that number before qualifying. I like Kyle Bush himself in the number eight. I like it. I like it. Uh, my next one going to my man, my boy, Kevin Harvick, 10-1. to 1. Uncle Kev. Uh, last five finishes here, five, six, five, first and first. He's been great at this track. Um, finished fifth at Martinsville, which is kind of similar to this. Yep. Um, and look, 
I, I remember 2019, huge losing streak coming toward the end of the season year before didn't make the playoffs. Everyone's questioning Harvick. What does he go out and do? He wins New Hampshire, whatever. I'm in the playoffs. I'm, yep. I'm Harvick. And he's done well here. You, but you know what I mean? Like, no, I no do. One, Just the way you said that. It's like, huh, I'm Harvick. <laughs> I'm Harvick, dude. What do you expect, bro? So um, I'm going to take Harvick here at 10 to 1. Just based on how well he's done here at the track, back against the wall, needs a win. All right. I can't backtrack history here because it's not phenomenal. I can't back how they've been racing this year because that's also been not phenomenal. But I'm going to rely on number nine himself, Chase Elliott. We're back in, what, eight races, nine races, eight or nine races left until the playoffs, 60 points below the cut line, needs a win to get in. So he's going to be shooting for stage points. He's doing whatever he can to gain points and try and pull off a win. And as close as we get to the playoff and he's below the cut line, and the races are counting down. I see him at 12 to 1. You can't ever count the kid out. Track history is not there. Disclosing that again. Historically has not been good at New Hampshire. But a desperate driver calls for desperate measures. 12 to 1, the number nine himself. I like it. I like that one. Um, my next one, and I'll tell you, I'll I will say this. Hamlin is starting to become less of a prick, I feel. Ah, listen to his podcast, man. That will make you feel like he is all over again. Please. No, I've just seen these little videos he does about tasting pizza. He's trying to be like the dude from Barstool. Dave Portnoy. Yeah, like, you know, he's he's trying to show a little bit of a personality, and that's that's what I've seen. I haven't listened to his podcast. He's plus 900. I'm Ben. I'm at plus 900. Good. Last four races here, six, tenth, second, and second. Led the third most laps here in the last three races. Fourth at Martinsville, second gateway this year. So he's ran good at this type of track. And then you just look at his form coming in last three races. He's ran pretty good. Um, Going back to a track he's historically dominated at, I'm going to take Hamlin at plus 900. I like it. I, and to your point, historically good. I'm going all the way down. This guy is 33 to 1. He won the race in 2021 for his sixth top 11 at this track since 2013. He was third in 2018, 11th in 2019, and seventh in 2020. He may have been 31st last year, but he that was just a mishap. Anyways, he finished sixth at Martinsville in the spring. We've talked about how that track compares to this track. Eric Almarola at 33-1, to one, another driver that could just – Papa went in and all of a sudden he's in the playoffs. So I, the track history is there. The history of him as a driver is not, and we rarely talk about this guy. Normally we're picking him just to finish somewhere, but I see it at 33 to one. You absolutely have to grab it, grab it before qualifying for sure. But I like it. I really do. I like Amarillo a lot here. I bet actually bet him top 10 at plus 13 plus, excuse me, plus one thirty. You mentioned oh. last last year, um, finished 31st. He's got a little bit of trouble. Um, 20, uh, won it here in 2021. Fin- before that, finished 7th, 11th, 3rd. Even with this disastrous finish last year. So even with a finish of 31, he has the 12th best average finish here. Yeah. So it just shows you how good 
he has been here and you mentioned how well he did at Martinsville and everything just to piggyback what you said I'm betting him as well but I'm betting him at a different way just the plus excuse me plus 130 to finish top 10 so, so there you have it you know I have four you know you have three I'm- I might add one real quick. Why don't you add one, I, my friend? I, I never look at these top tens. I'm so bad at that, and I need to start doing it because you've hit on a lot of these. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing A.J. Allmendinger, a top 10 of plus 270, and Ty Gibbs at a top 10 of plus 175. Yeah. I love those. those. So – which one are you betting though? You can't bet multiple ones. You just need to bet one. You just need to give pick me, one. Give me AJ plus two seventy top ten. The dinger. You're gonna. He doesn't the turn right at this track, but we'll see. Hey, you know what, dude? I like it. I like it a lot. So just to recap, Brandon has Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Almarello, and Dinger top ten. I have Kozlowski, Harvick. Hamlin and Almarillo top 10. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. And then on the 25th of this month, Brandon is actually going to be on my show, the ETOF 21 Sports Show, and we're going to be previewing the AFC East. So make sure to check that out. Best of luck. Safe travels. Enjoy San Diego, my friend. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Can't wait. And thank you for having me on the show. For those of you that don't know, it's hard to get on any of his other shows. There's a waiting list. Like you got to sign an application. So tune in on the 25th. Cause uh, I'm going to take pride in this, in this one. All right, man. See you guys. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money until next week, guys. See you guys. That's it for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Please. If you could leave a review, give it the thumbs up. That would greatly help me out. I'd greatly appreciate it. As always, podcast sponsored by sharps use the sharps betting app use promo code etof499 that way they know old uncle rico sent you thanks for tuning in reminder the etof21 sports show is going to be back this tuesday night josh from the sharps betting app is going to be this week's guest we're going to preview the nfc north should be a great show make sure to check that out i'd like to thank everyone for tuning in this week let's make some money let's cash up tickets until next week boys and girls